Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first ever episode of the Inside Line Formula One podcast live. Let's be honest, there really is nothing else like doing something live in person while everything's going on. And frankly, from an audience perspective as well, and even from our perspective, speaking to you while everything's going on, just a completely different experience. My name is Soman Arora. As always, you might, have, you might have heard quite a fair bit of me on the Inside Line F1 podcast last year. And as usual, I'm joined by my co-host Kunal. Firstly, uh, how are you doing Kunal? Long off-season this one, but finally we seem to be ready for the upcoming season. Yes, we seem to be ready. The fun on the Inside Line F1 podcast has started way before the fun actually starts in the world of Formula One. So great to be resuming our live sessions and uh, great to be also joined by Abhishek Takle, who you guys would remember from last year as well. He's an accredited Formula One journalist. Uh, he does a lot of freelance writing in the world of Formula One. He's He's been my pal to go to each time I travel to the races because Abhishek goes to all the races uh, around the world. So he's living the Formula One life. Hi, Abhishek. Hi, Kunal. Hi, Somal. Uh, great to be back on again. And, you know, looking forward to a great season. Absolutely. It, it promises to be such a good one. There's there's just so much drama in store, so many stories. And Abhishek, firstly, I'll come to you with this one because you were there the last time we had all these big stories, right? The Bahrain Grand Prix. You were there for both the races and just the number of stories that came off from that. Grosjean's accident. Thank goodness yeah. he's safe. Uh, then Mick Schumacher coming into Formula 1. Then we had so many stories about Hamilton contracting COVID and then Russell coming into the car. But so many of them have been translated into 2021 as well. But if you just had to pick one of those stories that would be the defining one before the season begins, which one is it for you? Which one just really pumps you up the most heading forward into 2021? Um, I think I think of all of those that you mentioned, I would have to say uh, two of them really uh, looking forward to 2021 would stand out for me. And those would be uh, Mick Schumacher's debut. Obviously, because of his name, because of who his father is. And, you know, so that's obviously um, pretty headline-grabbing news that, that he's going to be making his Formula 1 debut. And the second one, I would say Hamilton, uh, but not for COVID reasons, but because uh, he's yet to put pen to paper on his contract. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's going to be very intriguing. But what about you, Kunal? Perhaps a bit of a personal choice, this one, with your old team being rebranded and perhaps becoming something even bigger, bigger than we've ever seen before. Yes, I mean, that's uh, one of the most exciting stories. Aston Martin returning to Formula One with Sebastian Vettel and Lance Stroll. So it's going to be good to see what they are able to build given the whole st stable platform they had with the Force India Formula One team. But the ex-Force India driver at Red Bull this year, Sergio Perez, he is the one that I am absolutely gunning for because... You know, this is a chance a driver like him has been waiting for, uh, like, for the last decade, I would say, with McLaren. And to now get that top team chance, to now get a chance to sort of prove himself against the mighty Max Verstappen. I'm excited to see what he's able to do. That will just be insane. And we will discuss all of that in depth. But before we go on, folks, don't forget, like, share and subscribe. Not the usual stuff, right? You know what to do exactly. If you're enjoying it, feel free to leave a like and to subscribe to the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitch to Podium, depending on where you're watching this one. You know the deal. But let's move on. Let's actually play a game of word association. Now, it's something that I like to do quite a fair bit. Just identifying a situation and... Choosing one word that describes that. And then, of course, we can go down deeper and speak about the team in perspective. And I think the best way to start is with the champions. Abhishek, 
heading forward into 2021, it's so easy for a team like Mercedes to get complacent, right? But they haven't done for all these years. What do you expect from them? And what would be that one word that describes them in 2021? Well, you you you, you sort of you sort of already mentioned it. I was going to go with champions. So I I had initially sort of jotted down uh, dominant, but then I scaled it back to champions. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I think I think I mean they are the favorites. They are the team to beat. Uh, the rules are staying pretty much the same. Uh, they were utterly utterly dominant last year, um, with some with the exception of some minor tweaks um, that might take the form book a little bit. Um, and might may or may not take away a little bit of that edge, but they'll still be out there. And what about you, Kunal? It seems to me that it's always going to be on a similar line for Mercedes, isn't it? And uh, what's more confusing is the fact that, as Abhishek mentioned, Hamilton hasn't put pen to paper. Yeah, I mean, you know, I suddenly feel like Shashi Tharoor, you know, the Indian politician, because <laughs> we're all here to choose that one word that would describe what the team's 2021 could or should look like. And, uh, you know, if Abhishek's word was going to be dominant, I had written down dominance. Okay. And yes, it's not good for Formula One to sort of have one team take for literally seven seasons now. But uh, there is some, uh, there, there is there is a lot of pleasure in actually seeing what they're doing because let's admit, all of us want to be as dominant in whatever else we do in life. For example, we want this to be the best podcast ever, getting all the millions of downloads, right? So when we see somebody else do the same thing, instead of you know sort of uh, being jealous, I would love to see what they are able to build, uh, you know, from uh, for twenty twenty one. Uh, I would love to see how much more can they push the cart and push the competition in 21 because everything touched literally in the hybrid turbo era has turned gold. They've got that Bidas touch, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, Hamilton's not put pen to paper. We know that, but I'm sure it's just one of those details that will fall in place. And uh, frankly, the the one thing like, like we've been speaking is... Uh, Mercedes is also going through churn internally. It's not the same team that's continuing into 2021. The the famous dual access steering is sort of been taken away and all those minor tweaks that, you know, are usually put in place to stop the most dominant team have, you know, happening in Mercedes's case. Hmm. So I'd love to see how they still jump through all of this and dominate in 21. It'll be fun to see what Mercedes do. But if if history is a good indicator of what's to come, expect it to be yet another one for them. But what about Red Bull, Canal? Because this is the one that really excites me the most among any other team. Honda, quite clearly, are leaving after 2021. So this is one last-ditch effort that they've got. And they've said that we're going to commit everything to the project. Then you add in one Sergio Perez coming into the team. Uh, If I had to choose a word, it would be just uh, really... An exciting time for them. Ah, it's not one word; it's two. But still, you get you get the idea. <laughs> I think my word for Red Bull would be challenge because hmm. that's the one thing they've been wanting to do pretty much every season, but haven't really done so. And for example, in 2020, they weren't really challenging Mercedes, but they were also not really challenging the rivals that they were facing. So. To retain Max Verstappen, to keep the Red Bull racing story going as strong as it has been in the last decade, to sort of, you know, keep up with uh, the excitement that we all get when somebody gets, uh, you know, gets up to challenging Mercedes. I really wish that Red Bull racing are able to launch a genuine challenge 
to the Mercedes drivers and the Mercedes team. And of course, like I said, Checo Perez challenging Max Verstappen. And what about you, Abhishek? Do you think that this sort of positive turbulence is going to be really beneficial for them? Or could it just spill out of favor for them? Well, I was, I, I, I don't know, great minds, I guess, but I was going to go with challengers <laughs> instead of challenge. Uh, um, but um, yeah, I mean, look, Red Bull, every year they sort of, they develop so strongly through the year. And then you think, you know, in the need of, even in the need of stable rule changes, you think they're going to carry that form over. But then they, again, seem to fall back at the start of the season. And then they, mm. if they catch up, they catch back up and then fall back again. Uh, thing is, let's see, let's see how they do this year. Um, the rules are staying extremely stable going into next year. So if they can carry over the sort of form they showed in Abu Dhabi uh, over, over into the over into the start start of the year, then I think uh, Mercedes will have a fight on their hands. Um, Sergio Perez will bring um, will bring experience to the team. Um, I'm I don't know if Max Verstappen, but but you know he won't feel the pressure to go up against Max Verstappen in the same way that Albon did because you know Perez is basically he's a seasoned driver. Mm. He's matured a lot um, over the years, so uh, I don't think he'll be going out there under pressure. Uh, to beat Verstappen and that will help him deliver his best and that we will have I believe two cars of the fight against Mercedes where last year they had one so exactly um, so it should I, I do hope they can offer up a tougher fight to Mercedes well Abhishek just slightly expanding on Red Bull for a minute just going a little bit more technical uh, th- there were really big stories circulating that Honda when they're really coming forward with a real good effort and they're going to come up with the best possible F1 engine that they've ever come up with do you think that'll be enough? Uh, because the rules are similar. Of course, that favors Mercedes a little bit more because they already have the best platform. But what do you reckon they can do with that? Well, I think um, I think uh, Solomon has just dropped off, but I believe I heard part of that question. I think with um, with with Honda, um, you know, you just have to see the rate of development they've brought to the table since. Um, since since the start, I mean, they were they were absolutely uh, struggling at the start. They were at the back. Um, Fernando Alonso famously criticized that engine as a GP2 engine, um, and just look how far they've come. Uh, so I think if if you know they've 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 got that momentum behind them. So if they say they're going to throw everything at it, I believe it's it's going to be a significant step up. Just going going by that track record. Hmm. That's so, I'm I'm going to have one more question on Red Bull. Though. I don't know, and again. This is something I've been wondering. Do you guys think that uh, Red Bull Racing will allow Checo Perez to yes. challenge Max Verstappen? Or do you think there'll be some team play out there? I think I think they don't expect uh, Perez to challenge Max Verstappen. I think they expect him, in, in pure performance terms, to, to be beaten by Verstappen, but to be there supporting Verstappen, to be there, um, you know, with two cars in the fight. Um, plus, he's got sort of, like I said, he's seasoned and matured a lot. Um, so, bring that calm into the second car, that little bit of calm that can maybe temper Verstappen as well at times. And and obviously, yes, I think for Perez, he's just going to he's gonna be driving for himself. He's going to be giving his best. But if he can't beat Verstappen, I don't think he's going to be too hard on exactly. himself. I do think he will pick up, pick up the odd win. But he won't be hard on himself in the way Albon felt the pressure of not being able to match the Stappen, for example. So, yeah. Interesting times. 
interesting yeah. times indeed. But what's going to be more interesting, according to uh, me at least, and, and I'm really looking forward to this one, is McLaren. Because the news came in long before McLaren were genuine top three contenders. And last year, they did show that with Ferrari dropping out, they can bring the fight up by being the most consistent midfield team. They, before this all happened, they announced that they're going to be going to Mercedes, a real statement of intent moving away from Renault. It's a partnership that has acted as a very good stopgap one. It's allowed them to restructure after the rather dismal partnership with Honda, dare I say this one. And of course, there are a few technical challenges that are going to come up with this one. But on the whole, Canal seems like really exciting times for Mercedes, uh, for McLaren, I beg your pardon. Where do you reckon they'll finish and what do you reckon they'll do this year? So the, the word that I have actually written down for McLaren, and I, I'm assuming Abhishek would have something similar, if not the same, <laughs> is uh, is fund, you know, and it's something that has been very non or anti-McLaren of the, you know, previous eras or the non-McLaren of the previous era, the Ron Dennis's of the world, making it such a, you know, strict environment to work with, which sort of makes racing seem as boring as it can get and, you know, not basically allowing the drivers to have fun, at least publicly. And this 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 era of McLaren, which is Zach Brown-led, suddenly seems like everyone's having a lot of fun. And, you know, the drivers, the teams, uh, the, the, the mechanics, etc. Everyone is creating just so much positive energy around McLaren. Mm. And now they've got the famous Mercedes engine, uh, you know, in the back of the car. Uh, it's going to evoke a lot of nostalgia for all of you know us who've grown up through the McLaren Mercedes here. So I'm really excited to see how much fun they have on track and if they are able to sort of keep the fight up for uh, you know P3 and even more so how much fun they have in the garage with Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris. <laughs> Absolutely, that's that. I think genuinely has to be one of the more crazy Formula One teammate partnerships you can ever imagine. <laughs> Two, no, I wouldn't say clowns or jokers because that, that seems more like a derogatory term but two most fun loving drivers that you could ever imagine in one team together it's going to be havoc off the track but on the track Abhishek clearly there is a lot to gain by the engine switch Mercedes definitely yeah. the most powerful ones but just integrating it integrating into the chassis is a very very tricky challenge it is yeah uh, the word I had for McLaren is actually revival um, mm. because over the last well, this, this this season in particular, 2020 in particular, you could sort of see the team going from strength to strength. Um, you know, they operationally um, performance on track, while not consistent, they they mm. still they still made the most of it when they had it. So um, I think they're still they're still building up, and I think uh, fun fun is a very very good point uh, that Kunal Kunal raised. Um, the team seems to be enjoying its racing again. I think after mm. the dismal Honda years, and even the first year with Renault. Um, was pretty bad and I think they had Alonso, Fernando Alonso in the team at that time and no disrespect to Fernando but as a double world champion he brings a certain degree of he puts a certain degree of pressure on the team yeah. um, which they didn't have with Norris and, uh, and, and Sainz uh, it was just basically start from scratch and uh, build it up as you go along and um, I think that that sort of that environment at McLaren right now is just is just conducive to sort of unlocking performance um, and I think they should do very well with the Mercedes engine. Nostalgia, of course, but um, you know. But I think you know if if they we, well, a Mercedes engine doesn't is, is not the ticket to victory as we can see with Williams. But hmm. I think the job they've done on track, combined with the Mercedes engine, should um, should put them in a good place for um, 
top three maybe. Yeah, uh, definitely think they can finish in the top three this year. Who knows? It's a really good draw of bearing. It should be really interesting to see how they actually integrate that engine because this was not supposed to be a problem that they were having. They, they were supposed to come up and start from a very clean slate with the Mercedes engine because this, of course, was supposed to be the year when we had the new regulations coming in. But uh, never mind. We'll wait for that in 2022. But still, moving ahead, we still have quite a few good teams to discuss. And uh, the next one, seriously, it's it's one that really excites me quite a fair bit. And I know I'm saying this for every single one of them, but it's just the case with all the teams, right? There's so much chopping and changing going on that it really keeps you on your toes. And as we discussed early on, Abhishek, it is Aston Martin. One Prince, William or Prince Harry, or the, the, which, which one of those princes has their hair losing <laughs> off? They've joined the team now, finally. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, absolutely. Um, couldn't, couldn't, have asked for, couldn't have asked for a better uh, driver to spearhead a quintessentially British uh, British outfit, could you? I mean, um, but yeah, Prince William was, I mean, yeah, well, yeah, Prince William is their star, Sebastian Vettel, of course, we're all talking about Sebastian Vettel. Um, he is their star signing. Um, I think it's a great signing for the team. Uh, it's a real sort of um, uh, vote of confidence in, 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 in their vision and their ambition, uh, you know, they've, uh, they've laid out. Um, and for Sebastian, it's a, it's, it's a, it's, it's a second chance at sort of, uh, rebuilding himself because I mm. think Sebastian Vettel, I don't think he's forgotten how to drive. He's not suddenly become slow or he's not suddenly uh, become useless or something like that. But it's just that I think Sebastian's always been a driver who needs a certain sort of an environment around him to thrive. Mm. He's a very sort of confidence driver. He's, he, you know, it's, it's, it's very much a head game uh, with Sebastian. And I think in this environment, uh, you know, he will feel loved. He'll feel um, wanted. He'll feel relied upon. Um, in the way that he wasn't at Ferrari, especially after they signed the club. Yeah. Um, and I, my word for them was basically, uh, I think, yeah, optimism. Um, so you know, underdogs, because um, mm. yeah, they've they've always been an underdog team right from the time they forced India, um, and I, I don't see that changing. I think they've just got more underdog credibility now with their drivers and the fact that they're a full-fledged uh, factory team. And let's also not forget that for a team like, what is the biggest thing holding back? a force India back in the day. It was uh, the budgets, basically. They couldn't spend mm. as much as a Mercedes. We have a budget gap coming in um, this year. Uh, and it's going to get, it's going to get sort of, it's going to go on a sliding scale. So that should even the financial thing field out for teams like Aston Martin um, basically going forward. Yeah. You know, I, I heard Vijay Malia once say, and of course he is always very confident in the way he speaks, always always very bullish about the scenario. And he, and he once mentioned the phrase that really sticks by me. He said, pound for pound world champions. Can you say the same thing coming into 2021? You know, I can tell you with a lot of confidence that was a, there was a lot of marketing angle we had put in place <laughs> while we made a statement like that. It, of course, held true because, and it still holds true. There's a reason why, you know, we are, uh, we are saying they're, credible underdogs and how they sort of performed in 2020 and so on. I think it holds uh, true in a lot of uh, what we are expecting from them for 2021 as well. Uh, like uh, Abhishek said, you know, funding and budgets were always a problem. I can tell you cash flow is always a problem with the stroll ownership coming that's the one thing that they've sort of fixed. And as we can see, the management has largely remained the same on the on the technical side of things, which also shows that 
inherently there was a very good team that just needed a bit of oiling to sort of get going and that oiling has sort of uh, fallen in place for them they've got a fantastic uh, you know car brand uh, uh, calling uh, themselves a works team as well mm-hmm. right and the word i am actually put uh, forward for them is prove because there's a lot that they need to instantly start proving mm. uh, aston martin before this was you know partnering with red bull racing winning races getting onto the podium frequently now they are sort of falling back into you know p3 p4 competition that's there uh, sebastian fettel like uh, abhishek also said second life he has a lot to prove again to sort of at least retain his legacy in the sport right because that's the one thing that got overwritten so quickly and so badly in the last two seasons at ferrari that he's going to be sort of looking to prove that he's still the same driver just doing better in a different team and then uh, lance troll you know unfortunately for him i think he will constantly need to keep proving himself i think even if he gets a couple of race wins which you know may not be in in store for 2021 at least i think he will always be branded as uh you know a pay driver a driver who's in the seat because his father owns the team and all the other uh, you know explanations that go with it so for for stroll it's also going to be about further keeping on proving himself as as time progresses with aston martin racing and let's move on to a team with two rather young drivers and a new name as well it's alpine Uh, with one of their two-time world champions competing in the young driver test, you know exactly what we're talking about. But what what word would he have in mind for Alpine, Kunal? It seems to be a fresh start, at least on the marketing side of things. Is it really a fresh start in the operations side? You know, uh, I think the word I've written down for them is re-energize because mm-hmm. that's what they're trying to do with uh, the rebranding, with getting Fernando Alonso on board. they've had a couple of management changes our favorite uh, cyril has of course left the team we don't know now if he's going to get the tattoo oh. he should and so on but there is <laughs> something about renault which we are all nostalgic about because of what they sort of represent in formula 1 but at the same time there is there is this inherent belief that they haven't achieved as they should in this hybrid turbo era i mean if we were to look one era back you know during the v8s they were the dominant manufacturer at the, the, the engine manufacturer at that time hmm. and you know seven seasons in they are still literally struggling to get this all you know get the whole formula right uh, with what we've currently sort of going to be racing in 2021 as well so for renault i really hope that they or rather alpine i really hope that they uh reenergize and i'm pretty sure i'm not going to be the last one calling them reno even <laughs> this season abhishek david abreview suzuki manager we saw them do excellent things in 2020 and it's an organization that has probably been built from the ground up is he going to be the game changer this year you know it's possible i mean you see uh, you see how much uh, management changes can actually unlock potential within the team you know mm. you, we've seen that countless times in the past i mean um classic uh, classic example would be mercedes i mean to to under total wolf's management i mean you've had you've had key staff come and go and the team has still sort of uh, you know maintained its sort of dominance over the years uh, the turbo hybrid years certainly um you look at you look at mclaren um you know uh, the management changes they've uh, they they instituted have worked so well for them so you know it's it's I, I think I mean so some management uh, changes do definitely play a part in unlocking performance. 
Um, the word I had uh, jotted down for them, in hindsight, I should have jotted down the word young because, I mean, as Alpine, they are a young team. They have the youngest driver lineup uh, on the grid. Uh, you know, a completely unproven, unknown world champion. Um, but yeah, but I jotted down Alonso because he is, you know, his comeback is the story there uh, this season and how he fares. Again, he's got to be managing his expectations. He can't get frustrated the minute... Um, once it becomes clear, there's not going to be winners. Um, so I think that managing those expectations and managing managing his sort of, um, let's say, his temper is going to be key to sort of, yeah. Yeah. That hopefully doesn't spill over like it did in McLaren. Yeah. That's, that's going to be some... Actually, that's a very good point that you mentioned, just controlling and understanding your expectations because as a two-time world champion and being Fernando Alonso, right, you always want to go ahead and win regardless of the discipline, regardless of what car you're driving or what series or... Hell, is it even a desert that you're racing or even on tarmac yeah. for that matter? Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's just a Fernando Alonso way. But Fernando Alonso once used to be a part of a team that was serial winners, winners rather... And now, they said that they're in for a season where they could finish third. What word do you have in mind for them, Abhishek? We're, of course, talking about the Scuderia. New drivers coming in, but still very much the same on the management side, with Binotto yeah. still heading in the team. Yeah. The word I have for them is ailing. Um, oh. <laughs> I know it might be a bit harsh, but, you know, but they did have a terrible, terrible year last season. Um, there were seasons since 1980. The first win this season since 2016. Um, uh, yeah, with Ferrari, in a way, I'm glad they stuck with Binotto because Binotto is one of the problems with Ferrari has always been um, the team uh, reacting to uh, pressure from the Italian media and sort mm. of, um, you know, making these knee-jerk changes. I think a period of stability will do them. But they were kind of caught out last year because of the whole engine saga. Um, the legality and all of that. So they were caught out by that. Um, so I think, I think, yeah, they've set sensible expectations this year. Is it going to be an easy top three for them? No, because like I said, McLaren is looking good for top uh, for a top three finish. They're going to have to fight it out. But, um, you know, they say um, the engine is, uh, you know, showing them some encouraging uh, numbers in, you know, on the dyno. Um, so hopefully they are, they're not going to, they're going, they're not going to be winners uh, they're, going to be cha- they're not going to be championship challengers, but top three, I think, is is a sensible target to set for them. Mm. Yeah. Statistically, Kunal, sixth worst season for Ferrari in their history, as we uncovered on Pitch to Podium recently. Uh, uh, is your word a lot more optimistic than the stat? I'm afraid no. My word is embarrass. And I'm going to oh. say it. it oh, I hope they do not embarrass the Tifosi, their their brand, what they stand for, their history in 2021. Uh, yes, there are, uh, you know, there are positive signs. Uh, you know, I think they've found 50 horsepower extra on the dyno. That's what they've been saying. And uh, like, uh, you know, we just touched upon the legality of their engine sort of caught them back. But my my other reason to sort of put the word embarrass or rather let's hope they don't embarrass themselves and all of us is, you know, the young driver lineup. Uh, what I really like about the youth is they just want to drive whatever car they get as mm. quick as they can go. We saw that with Leclerc, uh, you know, uh, versus, uh, say, Sebastian Vettel, who needs a proper car and it needs to be set up and, Leclerc would just come and drive the wheels of that car and still end up going quicker. So 
that's one approach I'm assuming that Leclerc and Carlos Sainz Jr. will bring to Ferrari, right? But beyond the point, I, I hope that there is sufficient experience within the team to sort of help them bail out of the technical issues that yeah. can still make them slow in Formula 1. And we know how, how technically challenging each season becomes with even small changes as exactly. we are seeing in 2021. So let's hope that they've got sufficient uh, experience. And this could mean pu- putting Luca Badur in the car, you know, at a couple of private <laughs> tests to try and get some understanding of what's happening. But yeah, so I hope they don't really end up embarrassing themselves. And I think Charles Leclerc will still be the one shining bright light in Ferrari. We, like we've said on uh, the Pits to Podium and Inside Line F1 podcast, that even though Ferrari weren't shining in 2020, Charles Leclerc's 2020 was yep. sort of better than he was in, say, 2019. Absolutely. Leclerc, really, really a shining light. Reminded me a lot like Fernando Alonso back in his Ferrari days. Let's just hope that there's more success waiting in that particular pathway. But right across the board, not right across the border, right across town pretty much. We've got Alfa Tauri, uh, another team based in Italy. Of course, the spirit of it is is very much Japanese as well, with Honda also being their engine manufacturers. And now with Yuki Sonora coming in, there's this extra flair. And it's just sort of really good positive vibes surrounding the team this year, Kunal. And they packed it up with some really good performances last year too. What do you expect from Alpha Tauri? And what would be your word to describe them this year? This was actually the toughest team I could not find a word for, right? And uh, I then remembered what uh, what Christian Horner said, that Alpha Tauri has gone from being a junior team to a sister team. And I, hmm. I okay, I don't know what the next word could be. Is it going to be mistress team? Is it going to be daughter <laughs> team? It, you know... So, but yes, I mean, on on a more serious note, I think the one word I actually wrote down, which is uh, something that even Shashi Tharoor might have to Google, is Yuki. Because there's a lot of positivity around Yuki, especially given how he's come up the ranks and, you know, Honda believes in him so much, given what he did in Formula 2 last year, right? So I think Yuki Sonoda is going to be the driver to watch out for, even more so from a Red Bull Junior driver program, right? Because... With Checo Perez in there, Red Bull have sort of said, guys, that's it. We don't have somebody who can sort of match Max Verstappen yet. So we're going to look outside of the program, right? And at this moment, Max is who they're banking on fully to lead them into the future. Of course, there's a contract in place. But if something happens and Max leaves, and if there is an opening, assuming it comes up at Mercedes at some point, and if Max leaves then I'm not sure, you know, if Mercedes, sorry, if Red Bull has sufficient belief in Albin or Pierre Gasly leading the team forward. So a lot of hope will ride on Yuki to sort of be, to see if he's the next talent that can take the bait and forward from Max Verstappen. What do you think about this, Abhishek? Do you think he's really going to be the one leading the light forward or is Gasly the stable, uh, uh, I think the veteran of this team rather, is he going to be the one overshadowing him in his debut season? I, I think we, we just have to see how Yuki goes on, on track in Formula 1. Um, I mean, I, I'd sort of withhold judgment on that until, until we see how he's done in his first season. Uh, because remember, I mean, all of, the, all of the Red Bull juniors have all been very promising talents. Uh, hmm. I mean, Sonoda has an impressive junior record, obviously. Um, but all of them have had an impressive record. Um, you know, we saw what happened with Gasly, promoted, demoted, and then wins a race after being demoted. So, 
you know, uh, we saw what happened with Kvyat, for example. Um, yeah. So, you know, I reserve judgment on who is going to take the baton forward from Max Verstappen should he ever leave Red Bull. Um, but, I, but, but I definitely think there's a certain energy about um, Alfa Tauri uh, this season. Um, you know, they've got they've got Sonoda who, who the Gasly is um, Gasly has matured incredibly as a driver. Um, you know, he's come back into the Alfa Tora environment and it's actually worked for him. He's won the race. He's in a happy place. And the fact that um, it's now said uh, rather than uh, basically a junior team basically supporting Red Bull, um, you know, I think um, I think Gasly is, Gasly is in the right place um, uh, where, uh, you know, where, where he needs to be. Um, Sonoda will be exciting to watch. Uh, one thing, uh, you know, Japanese drivers in Formula One haven't always uh, met the greatest of success, but they have always been tremendously exciting drivers to watch. Um, mm. You know, so I'm I'm really looking forward to watching Sonoda um, do his thing behind the wheel. Yeah, likewise, and maybe next year Jehan as well. No biases here. <laughs> no bias. Just kidding. Don't don't, don't jinx it, Song. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. Knocking on some wood, as I say that. Hopefully that that does come true next year. But moving down, it's Alfa Romeo Racing Team, and there's been some positive news coming around them about perhaps something happening in the future with the Sauber name coming back. The team very much still remains Sauber, but it's it's called Alfa Alfa Romeo still, and it's just. I don't know, one of the most dull stories heading into 2021, because there really is nothing that's changed about them. Uh, but stability can be good. Stability can be the way forward, Abhishek. What do you think? Yeah, uh, the word, I, I struggled to come up with a word for them, so I just wrote Bois. <laughs> because I think that's just, no, no, no disrespect to the team, but it's just that, you know, like you said, it's, it's stability. There's, there's not much changing um, with, um, with Alfa Romeo. I think their performance on track depends greatly on how strong the engine Ferrari gives them will be. Hmm. Um, yeah, and otherwise, you know, they've got a stable driver lineup. Uh, Giovinazzi, Giovinazzi did well last year. Let's see how he goes this year, how he continues to develop as a driver. Um, and well, Kimi, Kimi's going to be Kimi, so, <laughs> you know, yeah, so... Nothing unexpected in that department. Hmm. All very stable. There's a word in Hindi for all of our international viewers. It's called... It's all right, it's it's fine. They're just the way they are. Let's see what happens. <laughs> they still at the mercy of Ferrari in terms of what kind of a car they get. But uh, what, what what kind of a car do they get from Ferrari this year, Kunal? You know, it's a lot of hopes will rely on uh, Ferrari's engine, especially for their customer teams. Uh, I think the the next one is also going to be a customer team of Haas. But yep. the one word I actually wrote down for uh, Alfa Romeo was to re-impress. Because like you said, mm-hmm. Samuel, it's a very dull story getting into 2021. Yes, it's stable, but it's so stable to the effect that we know they're going to be fighting for the bottom three positions, unfortunately. Yeah. And I've got some really good friends working uh, with Alfa Romeo Sauber Orland Racing. Okay. And uh, uh, I, I know how hard they're working. And I think it's time they sort of re-impress all of us with all the all the glory days of Sauber Motorsport as we remember them. And uh, I think also somewhere they need to build some driver strategy because I don't know how many more years is Kimi Raikkonen going to race. And, you know, uh, if should he retire at the end of 2021, which I don't think so, I think he'll probably do one more season in the new era. They will suddenly be banking on Giovinazzi and say another 
random driver they'll need to pick from the pool, right? And uh, yes, Giovinazzi did fairly well last year, but for some reason, he's never spoken about in that bright a light as his performances, you know, sort of speak for themselves. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how Sauber try and bring back all that nostalgia and and sort of you know it's going to be their fifty first year in motorsport and so on and. And also from an Alfa Romeo perspective, I think they are the one car manufacturer that has the least uh, uh, recall. I mean, not that I've done a survey, but, you know, the other manufacturers are fighting all the way at the front and Alfa Romeo is still the least visible, you know, amongst that group. So uh, interesting times ahead for the team, I would say. Yep. Interesting times ahead. Stable times for sure. But let's see how that goes. Let's see where they go ahead. But from something very stable, we, we straight away are diving into a rather spicy pan where everything's all jumping. There's hot sauce, there's controversy, there's it's, it's all that you could ask for. Haas. Now, do we start with speaking about Haas on track or do we inevitably go to the elephant in the room? Uh, where, where do you think we should begin, Kunal? I think we should go to the elephant in the room, right? Okay. My word for Haas that I've written is Netflix. Okay, (laughs) they're going to have Gunther Steiner, the star of all Netflix shows. That's definitely going to work for them. They're going to have the Schumacher name in the team in 2021. Trust everyone to milk the surname. Poor Mick, even if he's not going to perform, he's still going to have to sort of put up a brave face just because he's a Schumacher. And as that said, I'm really hoping he does perform because, again, Lots of nostalgia in what you know he represents and and so on, especially with what his family's been going through for the last eight years. Hmm. And then Nikita Mazepin, you know, there isn't a bad boy in Formula One as we speak. I think Kimi Raikkonen was the quintessential bad boy of the of the past, but now suddenly he's very statesmanlike, and uh, <laughs> and Nikita Mazepin is trying to sort of fit into this bad boy image uh, that the sport, in my view, doesn't sort of need. You know. We love drivers like Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris and all the fun they have. And, you know, they'll be fighting on track, but off track, they're, you know, like, you know, there's a lot of brotherhood feeling amongst all of them. So Mm. I'm not sure where Nikita Mazepin fits in all of that. But yes, I think we'll see more of us on Netflix than in the 2021 Formula One broadcast. What about you, Abhishek? Well, the, inevitably, inevitably, a lot of it is going to be influenced by Nikita Mazepin and all the drama that's been happening surrounding him. But yeah, yeah. Is there is there really any potential? Because apparently, there were stories circulating that Haas have been working closer with Ferrari this year. Yeah, yeah. They've had an exchange of staff um, uh, that have been brought in to bolster the team. Um, I imagine because Mick Schumacher is going to be making his debut and. Um, um, yeah, I mean, look, um, everyone wants everyone wants Mick Schumacher to do well. Uh, there's the pressure of the surname, but everyone there, there's also like because of what what's been going on, um, the, the struggles his family has gone through in the last few years. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of goodwill around Mick Schumacher, and and generally a feeling of yes, that's come on, you know, you you can do this sort of thing. So, um, mm. of course, that brings with it um, an immense amount of pressure. Um, the pressure is going to be higher than it ever was on, on on Mick, but but you know he's handled it so well so far. Um, he's handled it. He's handled it. He's been he's been very impressive. Uh, the way he carries himself, um, you know, the way he sort of goes about goes about his driving, goes about his media interviews. He's a very very down to earth, um, very very down to earth young guy, and 
yeah so i think i think he can cope with the pressure i think he definitely can cope with the pressure he's got he's got it in him um and that that was my word for for haas actually schumacher was my word for haas because that was a that was a, that was a big story so and mm. as, as as for Nost, you're going to have a schumacher you're going to have a verstappen you're going to have an alonso you're going to have a raikkonen um <laughs> you know um yeah it's a nice nice feel good sort of a story um as for as for sort of uh Netflix yeah i think netflix are going to have a field day with um steiner and mazepan i think yeah <laughs> yeah it so. it is just pandemonium at haas just the complete opposite situation and on the other side of the garage well, I, I, actually I, I, yeah well, i wouldn't describe it as pandemonium it's actually a very well run team it's a fun team it's 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 yeah, uh, yeah i mean gunther steiner doesn't doesn't hold anything back but that's great but then you know operationally it's actually a very very well run team and it's a very friendly team it's a very open team as well so um so i w- i wouldn't quite choose pandemonium but i would say it's could be interesting yeah at least from the outside mm. because the the pr department and not by their own admission are facing a few troubles considering mm. all that's happening right and mm. and you you can you cannot blame them for how they've handled it but again that's a discussion for some other day uh, that we shall get down into sometime later on but the last team and a rather good story this one a feel good story is williams a fresh start new ownership this is finally the year when they prove their impact because i think it's been what three or four months since the new owners came in enough time to make some uh, medium term changes if not really long term ones Where do you reckon they go from? Uh, where do you reckon they go to, rather, Abhishek, with this one? Because it's it's yeah. it's a fresh start. Of course, the chassis is still very much the same because I haven't got time to change that one. But mm. I've heard that a new management, as you mentioned early on, can really come in and change the environment. And perhaps that is exactly what Williams need at this stage. Yeah, I think the word I wrote for them was progress. Um, hmm. uh, because I mean, they they finished uh, back of the grid, uh, bottom of the table again um, with with no points. but but having that that doesn't quite tell the full story because they 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 compared to 20 um 2019 they had a much stronger 2020 the car was much more on pace than their 2019 car george yeah. russell did some um you know phenomenal uh, phenomenal driving and qualifying particularly getting the car out of q3 uh he was brilliant um uh he could have scored points you know it, it would have they would have had points on the board uh, for example at imola where uh, you know that unfortunate mistake uh, cost cost Russell and Williams uh, points but um, yeah. yeah as you say uh, new owners um, and i think what the new owners have really brought to the table is uh, stability um, financial stability mainly uh, which which is extremely key in formula 1 today even with the budget gap coming in they've got that stability they've got they're forging um, they're forging closer ties with mercedes as well uh, gearboxes hydraulics uh, something they under the williams family they said they would never do uh, but i guess they recognize the reality of formula 1 as exactly. it is today and uh, yeah that that's that's what new management does um, i guess and uh, i'm expecting to i'm expecting progress i, I expect them to be uh, consistently qualifying in sort of q2 making it to q2 in qualifying maybe the odd q3 appearance and i'm expecting them to score points uh not 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 going to predict a top 5 finish or something for them but definitely points and probably a uh, seventh eighth place finish possibly yeah your thoughts kunal my word is actually rebuild which sort of falls in line with uh, what abhishek has just explained is a 
increased collaboration in Mercedes, the Doralton capital, capital flowing in. And I'm not sure what Jensen Button's going to do there as a senior advisor, yeah. but maybe even, you know, sometimes it surely helps to have a seasoned uh, Formula One veteran, a former world champion to come and, uh, you know, sort of have as a sounding board, if that's what he's going to be like. And uh, they're going to have a stable uh, driver lineup as well. George Russell, definitely the most exciting one. So to me, it's going to be trying to rebuild the legacy and and the name that Williams sort of carries in Formula One. And I think their revival will excite uh, Formula One fans just the way McLaren's revival did. Should it happen in 21 or if we need to sort of wait to 22? But it seems like the building blocks have sort of fallen in place. And now it's just about extracting as much as they can from these new decisions, new partnerships in the time to come. Should be very interesting. It's a time of real excitement surrounding Williams. And as is the case with all the teams, 2021 on the whole, maybe a stopgap here, but really it has so much to offer. And genuinely, we can't wait to see how it pans out. All of that coverage will be on the Inside Line F1 podcast and on Pitch the Podium. But just before we end the show, folks, we've got something that I personally would like to ask Abhishek and something that quite a few people would have asked to you as well, Abhishek. It's, it's how do you get into Formula One as a veteran journalist? I mean, how do you do what you were doing? Because for so many, it is just a dream job, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I think... I think there's no sort of one-size-fits-all uh, sort of formula um, as as Kunal knows because Kunal has taken Kunal and I have both taken very different paths to uh, Formula One. Uh, so uh, you know, I, I just sort of went freelance and I applied for accreditation mm. and I had I had a lot of help from a lot of people and a lot of support from a lot of people who were already in Formula One. Uh, so I think building those relationships before you get in is is key. Mm. Uh, because yeah, those relationships are ultimately what um, you know. Because you, when you get in, nobody knows you. So you know, simple thing like accreditation, someone can vouch for you. Um, and it also means, as a freelancer, the more relationships you have, the more work comes your way. Uh, so I would say, yeah, uh, just reach out to people. Just reach out to journalists. Reach out to uh, you know whoever your heroes in the journalism world are. Uh, you know, the, the established names and all of those guys. And th- they're all very, very nice and helpful people. So um, that, that's that's what worked for me. And Kunal, Kunal, was, Kunal obviously took a very different path. So, Yeah, I mean, you know, just to add to what Abhishek is saying, I think even somebody who's aspiring, just start your own blog, get writing. It's easy to do all formats of uh, content now, whether it's text, audio, or video. So, get into the groove, have enough uh, content that you sort of keep doing so you you have practice. And, you know, uh, finally, it's the network and the relationships that will help uh, drive you closer to Formula One. It's a very difficult bubble to break into, but it's not impossible. Absolutely, isn't And if you're interested and if you have done a bit of writing yourself, we are having a few posts open on Pitch to Podium. So if you're interested in being a feature writer, video editor, for that matter, even a social media manager, just DM us on Pitch to Podium on our Instagram page and we shall be sure to respond to you. But on the whole, folks, a really fun live session, this one. The first of many and what a way to begin. Seriously, thank you so much for being a part of this, Abhishek. Uh, we really yes, had really enjoyed having you on here. That was yeah, some really fun. It's been takes. a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's, it's been a pleasure. Uh, yeah, nice seeing you guys, uh, albeit virtually. <laughs> Hopefully, everything just ends in 
be able to do that a lot more often in yeah. the real world. But until then, folks, this is what we have. And we hope that you enjoyed it. And if you did, you know exactly what to do. Leave a like, subscribe to us. Uh, subscribe or follow, depending on whatever platform you're watching this on. And then we can see how it goes on from there. And we'll be coming up with a lot more Formula One-based coverage on the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitch to Podium. That is the place to be. And until then, folks, thank you so much. And thank you for watching. See you soon.